Hello and welcome back to Mission 2819. This is Season 2, Episode 8. I'm your host, Greg Vanetta. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about a very well-known, what you would consider, a Christmas carol. And uh, it's actually, it seems to be more like a hymn, which is uh, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I look forward to uh, spending some time with you today on Mission 2819. I'll keep praying for you, keep praying for me, and let's learn more about the Lord together. Well, welcome back to Mission 2819. I'm so glad that you can join back in and uh, learn a little bit about what most people consider a song to be a Christmas carol, but it's actually more of a hymn of worship, um, and that is the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This is a, this is a song with some deep theological and doctrinal roots, um, from both the Old and the New Testament. And uh, when we sing it, I don't think that we really give it um, enough credit for the theology and the doctrine that is actually in the song. So I wanted to break it down a little bit and because um, I know uh, a lot of churches uh, actually play this song, whether it's in a hymn style or a modern contemporary style. A lot of churches use this around Thanksgiving into the Christmas season. And, um, I just wasn't sure if they, if people really understood, um, the deep meaning behind the song. It, uh, it's really so deep. And actually, once we start going through some of the context and content of the song, um, the next time you hear it, uh, it should be able to put your heart in awe of who God is and what he has done and uh, bring your heart into worship of him. So let's take a look at, uh, we're going to start out first with um, some scriptures of what uh, this song is all about, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And uh, we're going to go back back into Isaiah 7:14. So it's rooted in the Old Testament and it goes through the New Testament, but it starts out with the Old Testament in Isaiah 7:14. And again, this is out of the NASB and I always encourage you to uh, continue reading the whole passage so you have the full context and content of what is being spoken about. But Isaiah 714 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will come, or behold, sorry about that, behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. And then, uh, let's see, all of Isaiah 11 speaks to uh, this song as well. Um, verses, um, one through 10 speak of the righteous reign 
And then uh, 11 through 16 speak of the restored remnant. And then uh, once we get up into the New Testament, we're going to go to Luke 1, 7 through 8. And that says, uh, And yet they had no child because Elizabeth was infertile, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division. And then we go to Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And then to Revelation 3, 7 through 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have little power and have followed my word and have not denied my name. So, what do these scriptures have to do with this uh, specific song, this particular song and uh what does it mean well just in the first verse um it's a summary of a tridefold advent longing um to come again uh that he has come before us and um is now with us which uh, should encourage us and give us hope just right there in the first verse and um, if we can't see that there is hope in that first verse, we need to have a little bit of a heart check of what is this Christmas season all about? Is it about us or is it about Jesus? And then there is a short little f- refrain um, in the song itself that repeats of the Advent hope um, for the coming of God, uh, directly related to God's people, uh, Israel. Now, as a Gentile, we are included in this. We are engrafted into this faith through Jesus Christ. So, uh, Israel as God's people, um, we have hope and in God's, um, resurrected son, Jesus in coming back. Now verses, uh, Two, three, and four. They um, there's some divisions uh, which would go back into like the Torah or the Hebrew Bible and uh, their teachings, which would divide the prophets, the writings, uh, wisdom literature, um, some stuff like that, and uh, the dialogue there. And it just gives you a, a deeper understanding of the cry out for God to return. Uh, to his people and the people working for God. Now, verse 4, though, is very interesting because in verse 4, there, uh, there's a special word in there, Adonai, um, that really comes to, um, to mind. And translated to Hebrew, that, that would be Lord, and what it's talking about in verse 4 is actually the Babylonian exile of the Jews. 
and um, having wisdom uh, from God. So we can reflect when we sing verse 4 of how God always brings us out of certain situations and uh, rescues us. It, it, does, it just doesn't have an implication or a meaning into the Jewish text. It also has a meaning and an application, a practical application to us today. Because how many times has God delivered you uh, from a challenge or from a trial of life? And um, have you given thanks to him? Or have you um, considered it to be done on your own strength? Um, really discern that because... It has to it has to be credited to God because if it's uh, credited only to the human being, then then we need to have a heart check there. Now, verses five and six of this song, uh, they actually summarize um, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, um, and what He done uh, for God the Father. Now, verses verse six is special too because that is a longing to be freed from the darkness of death. Which I think is, there's so much hope in that and um, it really, uh, it allows you to rejoice in uh, what Jesus has done and accomplished for the Father. What I think is really interesting is that you see seven verses in this song which, when you look at numbers, um, just just numbers, not the book numbers, but numbers in in the Bible, and you go back into the cultural and historical context of what a number means, it's really interesting to see that there's seven verses because seven is a is a direct relation and symbolic of completeness, which is kind of neat because this whole song takes us through. Um, basically what, what humanity has become from the fall and how we have been delivered and redeemed and that there's a completeness in that, which only comes from God himself. Now there's, uh, there's a few things, uh, also I want to address, um, in the Greek about this song because it breaks down every verse. If you look at one word in the Greek for every verse, you'd have verse 1 being rooted in wisdom. Uh, verse 2 would be the Lord. Um, verse 3 would be the rod of Jesse. Verse 4 would be the key of David. Verse 5 uh, would be the Orient, East, or Day, Spring. Uh, verse six will be King. And then, um, verse seven is Emmanuel. And, uh, those really give some deep context to what the verses are all about. And it's important to, to know what, um, these verses are and what they're about and then how it relates to, uh, scripture, because that's, that's how we know that this hymn, this song is deeply, deeply rooted in uh, Jesus Christ and in what he did and in his return uh, to rescue all people. So when was the last time that uh, that you actually sang this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or heard it, or um, 
heard it live in your church. Uh, think back about that. And then have you reflected on what is the, the deeper meaning of this song and um, how does it relate to you today and how does it help build your faith? So let's look at um, let's look at a couple other things uh, with this song, just outside of it being a a fantastic song and a and a great song and um, one that gives so much hope and um, e- even for a song that was first published in the 19th century, how how does something like this um, relate to the rest of humanity? Uh, especially being written in the 19th century, it actually, it actually took, um, it kind of, I don't even know how to say this correctly, but, um, it kind of took the eighth and ninth century, uh, Gregorian chants and flipped them on their head because I don't know about you, but if you've ever heard a Gregorian chant, uh, you'd hear a lot of these in the Catholic church today. Um, not to the extent of what they were back in the 8th and ninth century, but um, very similar. They're, it almost feels like they're lacking hope and faith, and it doesn't really give you anything to rejoice over, and it's just so repetitive that it it almost seems like it uh, is lukewarm water, right? You just want to spit it out uh, because there's, there's no healing or there's no refreshing with it. There's no hot or cold water with it, right? And it's hard to consume. So this song really tipped those on their head and uh, said, you know, you can be repetitive, uh, especially with the chorus of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, but you can do it in a way that is not chant-like and that gives glory and honor to the Lord um, through the singing. So, the word Emmanuel, what does that mean? Um, and that comes out of, this is where we went through Isaiah 7.14. And remember, that says, uh, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel, in the context of Isaiah 7.14, means God with us. Uh, That's what it's translated into. And God with us would be Jesus Christ, the Son of of God, right? The living Son of God who uh, was born of a virgin, who died, who rose, who ascended and resurrected and uh, redeemed us by what he did on the cross. It really, you know, even talking about this song, it, it really, I just find myself even stopping to think like, wow, this this has such deep meaning. It just, it puts my heart in awe. It uh, it really does. And I, um, I almost have a hard time even talking about it because it, uh, it has such deep theological meaning to our faith and, and, um, who we are in Jesus. So the other thing too with the song is that we know through it, it's also speaking that Jesus is always present with us and that he's going to be present with us tomorrow and that his kingdom is everlasting. 
that there is no end to it. It's eternal. And um, I think that's something that we really need to uh, reflect on and meditate on is that God's kingdom never ends and eternity never ends there. And once we get there, there, there is no tomorrow, even though the song presents it as I will be present tomorrow. When we look at it in the light of eternity, there is no tomorrow. So he's always present no matter what. And, uh, there's a word arrow cross, which means, um, I will be present tomorrow or I shall be with you tomorrow so we can rejoice in knowing that Jesus comes again um, for his second return. One thing um, that I want to point out to you, and actually I got to look this up real quick while, while we're talking here. And um, this just, this just hit me um, that, uh, that this is actually present in the song and it's right out of Ephesians 1 and it's Ephesians 1 7 and it says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace so as a Christian we kind of live on two sides we're we're either going to live in our redemption and live as a redeemed free being or we're going to live as a Christian and struggle with oppression and um, the bondages that that the world gives you, right? Um, so we got to make a choice there of what what are we going to do? Are we going to understand and are we going to believe in our redemption that gives us freedom? And are we going to live that out, no matter what the pain is or what it causes us? Um, because living in freedom is not easy. And I'll be honest with you, you know, there's times even as a Christian man that, you know, I, I fail every single day, right. To, um, the temptations of life and whatever that may be. And, you know, I, I find myself all the time, um, on my knees repenting and cause I want to live a pure, holy and righteous life for the Lord. But I also know the reality of living in a fallen world that a single thought is sinful, right? Um, it's not just an action. It, it comes down to the thought. So I'm aware of that, and I want to do everything I can to fight against any type of thought that ever comes into my mind. And the only way that I can fight is through Jesus, knowing that it, he has the victory already, and that he gets all credit and glory for it, not me. Um, so when I look back and I, I start reflecting on the song of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it just reminds me of how good God is and my freedom in Christ from when he went to the cross. It, uh, it, it gives me comfort and it, it places my heart in awe of who God is. And uh, I tell you what, I even though we can have sorrow, we need to be rejoicing. And I know we can see a reflection of that in second Corinthians 6:10, that no matter what type of sorrow we go through, um, 
we always need to rejoice at what God is doing. And I would say a majority of the time, if we have sorrow, that's due to our own nature. Because usually there's some pain involved with sorrow, but there is a lot to learn. There's a lot of wisdom to gain through sorrow. And um, it really comes down to a responsibility of asking, all right, Lord, what am I supposed to learn? How am I supposed to grow? How am I supposed to develop through this? And, uh, you know, don't please don't use this in pain or please don't use this pain in vain. Um, let it be used to, uh, to, to glorify your name. So we do have some responsibility in that as well. Now there's a lot more to say about this song and I I really just wanted to give you kind of a brief introduction to um, the deep theological meaning and doctrinal meaning of this song and what it really means. Um, Do some research on your own um, when you have some free time because it's actually... It's really, really intense with uh, how deeply rooted in scripture this song is. And, you know, looking through a hymn book, I I don't know if I've ever seen another hymn that's this deeply rooted in scripture in speaking of what God has done, um, how he's redeemed his people from exile, and how we can have a hope in Jesus' return to uh, rescue all of us. So I I really encourage you, you know, this might be a really good topic for um, for a Bible study or uh, a community group study uh, during the Christmas season. And all the, all the scripture references that we had here, um, I would suggest, you know, break it down into, you know, in the next, four, five, six weeks, and then do one passage a week. And uh, by the time it's Christmas time, sing the song together and uh, sing it out of a heart of worship. I tell you what, I think you'd be surprised at um, what you'll learn and how it will help build, grow, and develop your faith. It, uh, I did that last year, and I tell you what, it was kind of cool uh, to see the uh, the growth that actually just came from that um, just one song learning about it and um, how centered on Jesus I was it really helped me to focus and refocus um, what my priority is during the Christmas season because we all can get sidetracked during the Christmas season and the chaos of Christmas and family coming over and I mean time is a struggle and you know, who has enough time in the day to want to do some studying or um, research on a a song, right? But uh, I can say that this one is definitely worth doing that and taking the risk and taking the chance to dig deeper into it because it will bless you and um, you'll learn a lot. Uh, I know there's there's quite a few articles out uh, on the internet about about this song and how it relates to scripture and how it relates to the season and, and our faith and how it relates to the old and new Testament. So I highly encourage you to go check it out 
And if you're playing it in church this Christmas season, um, I challenge you to let it be a song of worship. And and when you do play it, or when you're singing it, or leading a congregation in worship, uh, open your heart up to to rejoice in knowing that Christ is going to return again one day. Because there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world today. And um, with all these wars and rumors of wars and we have inflation and we got weird weather patterns and just a lot of different stuff going on that uh, is really trying to distract everybody alongside, you know, all the personal challenges of growth in faith as well. So I ask you, what do you got to lose, you know, this, this season in the next four or five, six weeks? Um, what do you got to lose by just, uh, digging a little deeper into this one song and it's a unique way to uh, search through the scriptures and see Jesus, right? And for the Holy Spirit to illuminate scripture in your heart. So I challenge you on that uh, today over the next several weeks, three, four, five, six weeks. And, uh, you know, once you, um, once you're finished, you know, talk about it amongst your family, amongst your small group, your community group, your your pastoral staff, and tell them what you learned and how the Holy Spirit illuminated your heart with the truth, right? And uh, and rejoice in that because learning more will never hurt you. And, uh, you know, this is one of those examples right now where um, a lot of people in the church always think, oh, you went to a seminary or, or he went to a seminary, she went to a seminary, and they're all academic and it's just all intellect. It's all up in your head. Well, you know, I have to confess, you know, I thought I thought her had that same, same thought process for so long before I actually started going to school um, for biblical studies and theology. And, uh, you know, I, I have to repent over that because, and I, and I have, but I also have to repent publicly over that too, because, you know, I've had those same thoughts in my head, even though I haven't said anything to people, um, you know, I know in private conversations I have, but I, I do need to repent of that because I have learned one thing and, um, actually studying and gaining the knowledge and wisdom has deepened my faith a whole lot. And, I know that it can be intimidating, all this knowledge and wisdom um, that one would gain by studying on a deeper level or going to a seminary. It can be intimidating for other people, especially if you're in a conversation. And, uh, you know, the hardest thing is to admit that, you know, we don't know everything. And that's the whole thing. You know, even on this podcast, I, I know I have some stuff wrong. I'm never going to be 100% right. I know that already. And that's why I encourage you to always read the scriptures, right? The problem is I really just don't know where I'm wrong or where I have it wrong. You know, you try to find the evidence and go with that. But um, sometimes you just don't know where you're wrong. And uh, always be open to correction. But what I'm getting at is that I'm challenging you to an academic study of this song because I know it will deepen your faith and I know it will deepen your love for Jesus and his scriptures. So I'm challenging you to dig as deep as you can, 
do an academic type study because it's also going to give you some understanding um, that, uh, you know, people that come across um, very intellectual, you know, it, it is in their heart. Their faith is in their heart. Their relationship with Jesus is in their heart. It's not just head knowledge. Um, they're, they may come across as that, but you also got to ask the question, are they just passionate about other people learning and growing deeper with Jesus as well? And I would say 95% of the time, that is the case, is exactly that. So I'm excited for this Christmas season. I'm excited for everybody to take this challenge on and uh, reflect on what this hymn means and uh, to turn it into a song of worship and to be able to teach your congregations kind of what this song means and how it uh, basically engrafts all all of our ancient brothers and sisters from the time of Isaiah up to right now and um, how we can join in with all of them in worshiping our living King, Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining me on Mission 2819. I thank you all so much for all the support, all the prayers, everything that you're doing keep going out keep sharing and spreading the good news of jesus christ pray for one another unconditionally love one another and go out and tell someone you love them just tell them that you love them show them the love of christ thank you all i appreciate you i appreciate all your support i'll be praying for you i'm greg canetta